Welcome to Podcast Marketing Secrets, the place for entrepreneurs, coaches, and CEOs who are looking to grow their brand, become a key person of influence in their industry, and get their ideal clients to come to them. I'm your host, Al Morenton. My guest today is Christopher Hensley. With over two decades in the financial services realm, Christopher's journey has been driven by a singular passion, helping individuals navigate the intricate paths of finance to achieve their life aspirations. His dedication isn't just rooted in numbers and strategies, it's about making genuine connections and empowering people with the knowledge they need for a secure future. What truly sets Christopher apart is his ability to communicate. For over a decade, he's been the voice behind the radio podcast show, Money Matters, on KPFT Houston, demystifying complex financial concepts for a broad audience. His insights have been sought after by platforms like Wall Street Journal, Radio, and 1110 KTEK, Business Builders Network Radio, and he's provided expert commentary on market trends in renowned publications. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Al, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Beautiful. So um, how did you get into financial advising and financial planning? Yeah, so that, you know, that's a great question because I didn't think I would be in this spot, right? Uh, I actually, when I was in college, I studied philosophy and English. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to eventually become a teacher or a professor and teach philosophy. Uh, somehow, somewhere along the way, I, I got um, guided uh, to to be a financial advisor. And it kind of checked the box for, for both of those things. It allowed me to teach uh, clients and people how to be responsible stewards for their family and for, for their own money and for their own retirement. But it also allowed me to go out and do you know, public speaking and, and webinars and seminars and that sort of stuff. So it, it kind of checked a box in, in the, uh, the teacher bug that I had in me. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So is and is it mainly for individuals or do you help businesses as well? Yeah, so I do have a few uh, business owners, but what I would say is that those are entrepreneurs. They're either solopreneurs or very small businesses. The bulk of the people that I work with are retirees. Um, and so these are people that are 55 and up that are they all have one thing in common. They're all state employees. Uh, so they are uh, part of the state pension plan. And so one of the things that I do for them is I help them coordinate their social security with their pension. Uh, Cause I don't know if you know, but a lot of people have heard that like social, you end up getting screwed, not just uh, trying to be polite about it, but, but if you're a teacher uh, and you have a pension, you end up getting your, your social security um, uh, reduced uh, substantially. So that's one of the things that I, that I help my clients with. So it's um, that's mainly the focus is individuals. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was listening to a, a podcast interview that you, that you had done um, and it was with the social security or something. And yes, and, and you were talking about that. And I, I didn't realize that I have a ton of friends that are teachers, like a ton of them. And uh, that's something that uh, would be hard for a, just a, a person to navigate through. They would need someone like you. Right. 
And there, there is talk of legislation to change that where they're going to change what's called the windfall elimination provision, the government pitch and offset. But they've been talking about that for years and getting, you know, the people in, in power to play nicely together is hard to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so so in up until then, until they make any changes on that, getting the message out to educators so that they know that it's not a surprise when they get there. Awesome. So what when when is the best time to, to seek a financial advisor? Is it like do you, do you seek them like while you're working or or when you're getting close to retirement or? Yes and yes. <laughs> so 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 when I when I say it like that, I've often been told when people work with me that Chris, I wish I would have found you a lot earlier in my life. But um, since I specifically work with with retirees, a lot of times they're five to ten years before retiring. Right. The mm -hmm. more time and whether it's me or any financial advisor that you work with, the more time that you get to work with them, there's strategies and things that we can do that you just need time. Right. But it's never too late. Um, the things specifically, since I work with retirees, the things like Medicare, Social Security, retiree health care, those are all things that if you make poor decisions on them, you end up carrying that, that cost for the next 30 years. So even if you wait to bring somebody in, it's never too late. Um, it's always good to have a, a second set of eyes. That's awesome. It's good to know for sure, for sure. And um, so... How, how do you find your clients? Yeah, so I'm so my business, I'm 20 years out on the financial planning practice, 10 on the podcast. So but but the uh, the financial planning practice, I've been doing this for about 20 years. And that is that has evolved right over my the life of my business. But it primarily started as uh, dinner seminars where I would go out and do educational uh, seminars and um, with the Saltgrass Steakhouse. I don't know if you have them there, but we have them here in Houston. Um, and so we'd go do these dinners and we have people come in. And they would, you know, about 5% of the people who showed up for those webinars would end up working with me, right? Um, then uh, when the pandemic happened, I was lucky enough to have a, 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 an assistant that was tech savvy and said, you know, Chris, you might be able to do these as webinars. And I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm resistant to, to change. I, I'm a creature of comfort. You know, I, I'll get in a habit and something's working. Why change it? Two months before COVID hit, uh, we switched to webinars and we just kind of test bubbled it. And so those webinars that we were doing here in Houston in the Gulf Coast area, uh, when the pandemic happened, we went statewide with those. So we went all across Texas. And now fast forward to, to you know, years, a couple of years later, right? We are all across um, uh, Texas, California and Ohio. So we've been able to now take that. So I don't I don't ever have to worry about, you know, where are my clients coming from, even though it's a very specific niche. Right. It's very specific uh, person I'm looking for. Um, we we've been a, we've cracked the, the marketing code on, on that part of it. Um, and I can do t spend time doing the things I like to do, like podcasting <laughs> and be That's passionate awesome. about it. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you advertise the webinars or how, how, how do you do that? 
Yeah. So I do email marketing. And so we reach right out to the person um, to that that is uh, that is very specific. Right. So I'm looking for somebody who is over 55, who's been at the university or we I do a lot with University of Texas Health and Science Center. So they're a hospital, but they're also state employees. Right. And so I'm looking for somebody who's been there long enough to be vested in the pension plan. And so the questions that they are going to have um I'm able to share the experiences. You know, I've got many clients that are on the other side now, right? They're, they've been retired and they're living off of their retirement funds. And so I can share some of those experiences with my new clients because the, the problem that they have is the same problem. And so that's, that's um, but we do it through email marketing and then the webinars. And so we've, we've had uh, a lot of, and I hate to, I'm not trying to, so I'm trying to find a silver lining for the pandemic, right? Uh, if anything, my business was, that was the best year I had that year. And then unfortunately, one of the things that the university uh, universities did across Texas, and I don't know if this is a national trend, but they started uh, doing uh, voluntary retirement, right? This is a nice way of saying, I'm going to say age discrimination, but what they do is when these when these professors get to a certain level and they make a good amount of income, instead of laying them off, they'll they'll offer to kind of buy them out uh, to give them an early retirement package, which sounds really good. But sometimes when they do that, if they're not fully vested in TRS or if they're messed up on their Social Security they don't necessarily know that and they take those packages. So, you know, in the past 20 years, I did an analysis for people in that situation, maybe two or three times from 2020 on, I've done the most uh, uh, voluntary termination, voluntary resignation, um, voluntary separation uh, analysis that I've done in my entire career. So I know uh, they, they were, they were, um, laying off people that were income heavy, right? So uh, that, you know, that, unfortunately, that's one of the things that they do, but having somebody like myself to look at it, to make sure like, wait, is this a good idea? Or is this not a good idea? Are you going to mess up yourself on your social security? Um, Getting a second set of eyes for that kind of stuff that that was huge. Right on. Yeah. So that's that's why it's so crucial for uh, you. Like, again, it's awesome that you specialize in in, in that field. It's, It's uh, you, you could help out so many people, you know, that, that, that could get themselves in trouble. That's awesome. So tell us about Money Matters. You said it's a 10 year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Because I, I, I love to, it's like talking about my baby. So, so I love talking about Money Matters. So we we hit our, our 10 year anniversary this year. Um, and Congratulations. You know, Thank you. Thank you. High five. So, um, you know, there is something called uh, for people who are podcasters who are listening to this, there's something called pod fade, right? Uh, people will, you know, like in my industry, we get compassion fatigue when we have the market goes down 2008, 2009, you'll get clients that'll call and, you know, we sort of kind of get numb about it, right? Uh, that same thing can kind of happen in podcasting. If you're not willing to uh, rebrand, recreate and, and keep uh, evolving as a show, uh, it's possible that you either, you know, you might get burned out on it, right? So, uh, so we're proudly here at our 10 year anniversary mark of a show that started out as a local radio show here in Houston. Um, I was working with a nonprofit company called the Society for Financial Awareness. Uh, and during Financial Literacy Month, they tasked um, all of the presidents of the local chapters with the task of going out and trying to promote it, trying to get on the ear. And, um, you know, 
that's kind of a big thing because I looked at my my list of friends and family and natural market and I said, I don't know anybody that's, that's in the media. And I said, okay, well, there's this one guy that I know that, that I went to college with. And it just so happened that he was the program director at a at the volunteer KPFT branch here in Houston, right? It's volunteer run. Um, and so I reached out to him and asked if he could help me promote the uh, Financial Literacy Day. And he allowed us to do PSAs uh, for free, little spots where we were saying, you know, April's Financial Literacy Month. Uh, then um, he actually he really liked that, and he asked me to interview to to interview somebody. So I brought on State Representative Carol Alvarado, who was also uh, plugged into financial literacy here in Houston. And then I think it made about six months or so, they opened an HD3 channel, which was live. It was live on the FM side, but it also had a byproduct, which is they would archive it as an MP3. And so after I, you know, it was very fun to be in the studio and having people there live and, and that energy, but there was this byproduct of that MP3 and people were telling me, hey, you need to do this as a podcast as well. So I, you know, opened an account with Libsyn, learned how to use um, Audacity, right? Um, and, you know, fast forward, we're no longer at the station, but the podcast is international. We're doing the video side of it. Um, we're getting more traffic from YouTube than we were on the on the podcast. It's crazy. Um, but I did mention earlier, I'm a creature of habit. So each one of these, I've had to open myself up and, and be willing to kind of upstream it and let technology work with me for the podcast. And uh, it's a passion for sure. That's awesome. So and what what kind of guests do you have on there the, like these days? Yeah, yeah. So it it varies. So you know, I tell people who are doing podcasts that you want to you want to understand your audience, you want to find your listeners, right? But the reality is it was when I was first getting started, I didn't necessarily know who that was, right? I had uh, money, very general, uh, very general topic, right? I can really work with that on anything, right? Uh, but my strategy at the beginning was to try to, and I think a lot of podcasters, it's the same thing. You try to get people with um, high value, high quality uh, guests on the show, right? So you want to get people with credibility. Um, I can share with you some of the ways that worked with me for sourcing guests um, that I think are very actionable. You could take these away and do them right away. Uh, Haro, uh, help a reporter out, um, haro.com. Um, when I started using that, that was one of the areas that I would uh, never had to worry about coming up with a, a guest. Basically, I would post on there saying we have a show on Friday and I want to talk about, you know, this new legislation that came out or I want to talk about this topic. And I would get no less than about 80 people pitching me to be on the show. Right. So if anything, I had to filter through it. Right. Uh, but you will find gold in there because there's um, it's not just any old person who's looking to to promote their business. Right. There's also authors. There's, new, you know. And the other one, I'll give this this last tip here on sourcing guests. Uh, hopefully this will answer your, your question. I've had a lot of guests over the years that have just, I'm like, really, they're going to come on here? That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but but New York Times bestselling authors. So a lot of times this is kind of self-serving, right? I'll be reading a book and I'll say, you know, I would love to interview the author of that and kind of pick their brain. And the thing is, is that anytime an author writes a brand new book, 
that is a sweet spot for getting them onto the show, even if they don't want to come on the show. Let me tell you why. Uh, the publishing house that puts that book out has somebody who's dedicated for publicity of that book. And they're kind of on the hook for coming up with some way to promote it. So it, a lot of times I'll just reach right out to the person that I want to be on the show and that works. But if that doesn't work, you can go through the publishing house. If it's a brand new book, if it's New York Times bestseller, Penguin or, or uh, you know, whichever uh, publishing firm it is, you go to the PR person and say, I'd like to interview this person on the show. And they will either make it happen or strongly encourage them to be on the show because it shows that the author's got some skin in the game and that the, the promotional person's doing their job. And I've had uh, success with that over the years. Um, that's been both of those have been really good for me. That's awesome. Th th thank you for that. I've I've heard of the help a reporter out, but I've never used that. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It doesn't cost. They're rebranding. I think just this month they're changing the name to something else. But um, I you can use it for two different ways. You can use it to find journalists and uh, authors, podcast hosts, radio show hosts who are looking to interview you. So that's one way to use it. And then the other side of it is if you're a journalist or a podcaster or somebody who's in, in media, uh, you can use it to source guests. Um, and it doesn't cost anything. I mean, there, there, I think there's a, a fancy version of it where you can get kind of a some integrated stuff with PR media or something. But I never I'm very you're, you're talking to probably one of the most frugal people you've ever talked to. So so I, I've never paid for that. I always encourage people to keep their expenses low if they can. That's why I'm still using Audible and mixing stuff down myself. So uh, there's a lot of fancy stuff out there now. Um, I am open to a lot of the new technology, the AI stuff. I found some some uh, value in that. But I still, you know, I've got uh, this little stream deck thing where I've got my audacity button here and where I'll go in and edit, um, you know, edit the show and clip and stuff. So um, it, it's it's just getting easier and easier with technology. This whole process would take, you know, hours before and it's just getting easier and easier. So. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. How, how often do you do the um, shows? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing to, to mention to people because now I'm only putting up a show once a month is my is my goal. Uh, I don't hold to that. If anything, I do more than less. So a lot of times I'll say I'm only going to do one this month and I end up getting some good guests. And I end up doing like three or four of them. And since it doesn't pay my pay, it's not my paycheck. <laughs> my wife tends to remind me, hey, <laughs> uh, you're doing a lot of podcasting, right? Um but but uh, we we will do one a month, and I'm joking about all that. But I can tell you that when you need to be realistic with your goals as far as how many you do. Um, when we were doing the live radio show, this was every Friday, uh, so it was weekly, and we didn't have the benefit of being a, a post production or you know it was live, and so we we were we had to be committed to that time slot. Um, and that turns out to be a lot. If you do four times 12 a year and then multiply that out, it's a lot. We got a lot of those shows done that first year. Um, later, when my business kind of got lopsided, where the business was taking a lot more of my time, I had to be realistic and cut it back down to about one a month minimum uh, to, to keep it going. 
um, to, you know, we built it, but I, I, I couldn't keep that kind of volume up forever. And the reason I say you want to be honest with yourself is because that's part of pod fade, right? It's like, if you, at some point you may be like, well, should I do this or not? And I say, you know, make it easy for yourself path of least resistance, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause that, cause that does set in you know, that pod fade and, and it really quick too, for a lot of, they say that like the 95% of podcasts don't get past seven episodes and then like 99% don't get past 20. And, right. um, and, and, uh, that's because I, I think people do put unrealistic expectations. They think they have to do one a week, you know, and right. I, I tell pe people like, you know, like, like focus maybe two a month, you know, like, and yeah. as opposed to one a week. And if you do more than two a month, then you got bonuses, you know, but right. it's just like, gravy. If you do it more, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so instead of failures, you know, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, you, you know, so, cause that's a, uh, I, I come from fitness and, and wellness and weight loss and, like, yes. and people would always like, I want to work out every day, you know, like just concentrate on two days or three days, you know, and if you get more than that, but like if, if you do two, then you achieved your goal. If you do three, then you're awesome. You know, if, if you know, but uh, if you try to do it every day and you miss one, then you're a failure. This, you know, it's, so it's all perspective, you know, yep. keeping you motivated. hundred percent. Yes, you're correct on that. <laughs> So, so how have you been able to, I, I know you say like you, you know, you, sw you switch things up here, here and there, but how have you been able to stay motivated over 10 years? Yeah. So, so that's the thing, you know, I, as I mentioned, I'm a creature of habit, but always being open to growth, mm -hmm. uh, always being open to upstreaming or, or what the Japanese call kai Kaizen, right? The idea of small incremental change and in growth. Uh, it's always something silly, like one little small thing that you can change in a process that will have a lot of growth as a leverage point or, uh, or a multiplier, right? So it's being willing to do that in every aspect of your life. In the podcast, the way this is manifest or shown up, uh, it's been rebranding, right? So I know that I've changed the logo one, two, three times, I think. I just recently changed it to add the 10-year anniversary banner at the bottom, Uh but when I was when I still had time, when I was part of the Society for Financial Awareness, I used to have uh, so the Society for Financial Awareness presents Money Matters. And so it was this big, long uh, podcast. But then I didn't have enough time to keep doing the um, the, the Society for Financial Awareness, the uh, the financial literacy lunch and learn talks. And so I ended up taking that out and we rebranded complete new logo, had to record the vo voiceover again at the beginning. Uh, and then we most recently recently did that one, but it's kind of like it, it's you have to have that's kind of baked into the the uh, the cake, right? It's in the recipe for success. Um, we look at people who have been successful at rebranding. I think of David Bowie. This one pops to my head really good, right? A lot of bands from the 70s that were really good went through the 80s and they didn't quite make it, right? <laughs> the yeah. quality of their music, just something about the 80s made it bad, right? Now, David Bowie was able to, to just, just get through this somehow and still be cool, right? His music still survived the 80s, right? So I, I, I like entrepreneurs and marketers to have that same idea about their marketing. It's like, how can I keep it fresh? How can I keep it relevant? Um, there, you know, there's two different perspectives. People look at evergreen uh, content where you can put it on there. It's going to last forever. I tend to go the other way. I like timely, newsworthy, 
um, stuff that's going to grab the headlines. It's going to be search engine or SEO content rich. Um, that way that we'll know that we'll get to the, uh, the top of the, the, uh, the search engine, right? Uh, we can have the best show out there, but if nobody can find us, then, <laughs> then it, it, we'll be doing it by ourselves over here. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's important. Like what you just said about, you know, having like timely and relevant topics in, in the podcast, as opposed to just having like, uh, almost like a sales pitch, you, you know, of, of your right. business or something, you know, and, and that, that could you know keep people engaged and build community. And then, you know, and, and then when they're ready, you know, they could do stuff, you know, and you could have, you could have like lead magnets and PDFs and whatever that have that information and, and do your relevant shows, you know, to keep people engaged. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All of that stuff. We're, we're still learning on that stuff that there's been so many opportunities that we've missed on the um, lead magnet and marketing stuff. But I can tell you, if you're consistent on your message and what you're doing, if you're truly helping people out, it just comes. Um, people will find you. Uh, they'll find you out if they like what you're talking about. And just like you said, you don't want to be salesy. You want it to be educational. You want to help people. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the first time I was made aware of that was, uh, um, well, actually a few years ago, I did an interview and um, the guy just wanted me to tell my story and do all the, you know, this, all this stuff. And um, I had done podcast interviews before and they were all really rigid and they talked about just business, business, business. And and I, I, you know, it was fun, but I didn't get anything out of it. And then I did this one where I just told my story and I got like so much business from that without even, I didn't even think I was going to get anything, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, cause that's the, that was the reason I was on there. I was just trying to help this guy, you know, out, you know, and I was invited on there and, and, and that opened my eyes, you know, to, um, you know, just, you know, telling story, being relevant, engaging with people. And then when they feel comfortable with you, then they can, they can make that decision to do business with you. Absolutely. So. I agree 100% with that. Um, one of the things when I first got started in, in, uh, in podcasting and I, we were doing the live radio, I was like, well, how do you do live radio? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I like doing public speaking and I thought it would translate, right? Not quite the same thing, a little bit different mm -hmm. animal, pretty close, but not quite the same. And I went out and I got a book uh, by Valerie Keller. And I forget the title of it, but if you look for books on broadcasting, there's only a handful that's going to be in the top 10 there. And one of the things that she shared uh, about being a good host was that uh, the show is about the guest and that nobody, the way she said it, nobody cares about you. So she's talking about me. No, nobody cares about you. Uh, they want to know about the guest. And so when I read that, I kind of adopted that as my interview style and so anytime I have somebody on the show, my job, I want to make them feel special. I kind of almost want to feel them like they're invited into my house. Right. And, and uh, my job is to, to, you know, to promote them, uh, to kind of cheerlead their ideas. And uh, that's always worked for me. It always works really well. Um, you know, it's always worked really well for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So and then get, getting back to the financial planning, um, so you mentioned that you're doing uh, Texas and California and Ohio. Yeah, yeah. 
is so um, are, is it different laws and structures in each state? Yes. So so the the re, the thing that they all have in common is that there we're all I'm working with uh, state employees from each of those states and they all have pension, but the pension system's a little bit different. TRS is Texas, CalPERS is California, Ohio's got, got uh, two or three different pension systems. So they're all a little bit different. And then there's the tax laws, right? You know, Texas, we don't pay a state tax, but California does. And it's much more expensive to live in California. Their, their salary goes up with it, right? It, it, it goes up um, with the cost of living there, but it's it's different. So yeah, each one of those states is a little bit of nuances, a little bit of things you got to adjust when you work with somebody from each of those states. Awesome, awesome. And so um, I know we sort of touched on this earlier, but does, so does, does podcasting and, and the Money Matters show, does that does that help your business? It 100 percent it does. But this is a great question. I'm glad you asked this one because it doesn't translate to a couple of things it doesn't translate to. It's not a paycheck. It's not. Uh, some people will do the uh, podcast and think you're going to get appointments from it. People don't listen, uh, maybe other podcasts, but, but my experience is that they don't just listen to my podcast and then pick up the phone and want to meet with me, right? But what it's done is it's given me credibility so that all of these other things fall into place. Like, for instance, I had Anise Parker, the, the, um, the mayor of Houston, so like right when I started the show, we've had Bill White, we've had um, in my space as, as a thought leader, lead, uh, leader for retirement planning. If you go out and you look at, well, who's the thought leader in retirement planning? There's about four or five people that are the, the uh, kind of best practices. I've had each and every one of those on my show. And so if you go to my website, HoustonFirstFinancialGroup.com, and you look in my media room, I handpick sh um, shows that I've done in the past that will answer all of the questions for that very specific client that I'm looking for. It'll tell them about Social Security. It'll tell them about Medicare, if they get divorced, if they're doctors who are retiring. So, so that that is something that I've been able to plug in. And all of that's come from the podcast, right? Um, there, There's this association with being a part of this where people say, well, Chris had uh, Wade Fow on here and, and he's had, uh, you know, all of these people that are, that are Lawrence Kotlikoff, he, you know, the guy who wrote, um, uh, where's it at? Okay. It's not around me, right now, but there's a, there's a New York times bestselling book about social security and I've had him on the air multiple times. And so when people are familiar with that, it, you kind of get the benefit of being tied into it. So that's huge. I would never underplay that, but I would also as a realist and somebody who wants to kind of set guardrails for entrepreneurs, right. To let them know that it's not a quick, it's a long-term approach. It's not a, a quick, uh, quick, type deal, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, like it definitely does increase that no like and trust factor, you know, and, and get people warmed up to you. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a couple of different people that say this, but like they're the one of the things is that the people actually shop differently now, you know, shop for, you know, services and for products and they do a lot of research. They, they say that there's like the 7-Eleven 4 thing where it's seven hours of research um, through 11 different interactions on four different platforms. 
you know, so you're providing like you providing that page with all with those recordings and everything. That's that's part of that. And then they have your money matters and the and you know the YouTube and you know all, all these different ways to interact. And then it's like, wow, this guy when you know when they realize they need, hey, I I, I need something like this. Let's go to Christopher. So for, for sure. In fact, I just wrote, I'm taking notes too. I wrote down 7114. I think you did a show on that. I'm going to go back and listen to it because yeah. that sounds right up my alley there. That that's, that's fantastic. And that's true. People, um, they're, they're spending more time doing their due diligence and their research. And so just, um, just having that, that, that placement and the search engines, um, I'll share this. This is kind of off color. So let me see if I slow. The reason I'm saying, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, when I first started in my business, uh, one of the things I had heard is Google yourself. Find out where you are in the rankings. When I Googled Chris Hensley, there was a guy who had wrote, written a book about prison sex. <laughs> yes. Pregnant pause, question mark, question mark. Uh, that that was it. If you just if you just Google Christopher Hensley, that came up in the top three. So 20 years later, one of my goals was to let me move this guy down <laughs> in the rankings. If I, I need to at least be higher than that guy, right? You know, we don't want any of those mix-ups there. So I can I can honestly and proudly say that if you Google Christopher Hensley now, you're gonna see a whole bunch of stuff about money matters and finance and if you look about 20 to 30 down, you'll find a book by somebody else, not me. So, uh. <laughs> right on that. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So um, the, is there anything else that you'd like to share about podcasting or money matters or anything? Uh, no, you know, I would tell people if they wanted to, to find us to go out to uh, www.moneymatterspodcast.com and you can listen and subscribe. Um and then, then, then my other website is HoustonFirstFinancialGroup.com. Um, nah, that's that's all I can think of there. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. And yeah, we'll be sure to include um, all, all those links in the show notes below the episode. Um, and we, we post them on YouTube and on all the different RSS feeds and everything. So so make sure, make sure and get that out there. But yeah, yeah this was a really insightful um, thing. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your insights on financial, you know, advising and planning, and as well as the Money Matters podcast and your insights on, um, you know, how to stay motivated and prevent that pod fade. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Right. Well, um, Al, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you inviting me on. I had a blast. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so that concludes this episode of Podcast Marketing Secrets. I hope you enjoy the, your day. <laughs>